Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for intel, forecasts, and success strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us wherever you are in the, around the country, around the world. Maybe you're on iTunes, maybe you're on YouTube, maybe you're on the show website, or one of the, I think we're on a, at least a dozen or more uh, podcast sites. Thanks for being with us. Well, we have a very interesting show for you today. And let me tell you that this segment is brought to you by Barnes Creative Studios. If you need a video for your next project, check them out. And today we're going to talk about crowdfunding and particularly for commercial real estate. And I think crowdfunding has been something that people were very excited about. Some people thought it was growing too slowly, uh, but it seems to be really picking up speed. And uh, I think there's been a lot of changes in the world, in the economy, and in commercial real estate that make crowdfunding much more interesting almost every day. That's what we're going to talk about today. Please welcome my first guest is Adam Hooper. And Adam is CEO with Real Crowd, and he's joining us on Skype. Adam, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me on again, Michael. It's always a pleasure to be on the show. Adam, looking great there in your studio with uh, your logo. <laughs> Very nice. We podcast games. So we got to have uh, got to have the studio. That's right. So you have your own podcast. So how can people find that? We do realcrowd.com/podcast. Uh, everywhere else, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, everywhere you everywhere you listen to your podcasts. That's right. We'll check it out. So um, Adam, you you guys are in the middle of this crowdfunding business. Uh, you yeah. study it. You know what's going on. So what is going on? How, how did 2017 uh, wrap up? Is is the crowdfunding business growing? It is, yeah. So we saw really good growth in 2017 compared to 2016. Most of our metrics were up you know, 75%, 80% over 2016. Uh, so we saw a lot of good growth. We're over four and a quarter billion dollars of total real estate through the platform now, which you know, four and a half years into this is, is pretty good. Um, saw about a 65% increase in the number of opportunities that we brought to investors last year. And I think one of the things we're still focused on is the efficiency side of it, and that's one of our accomplishments last year was to take the transaction timeline that can normally be weeks or months in the offline scenario. We've got that nailed down to a couple of days now. So for a real estate manager out there that's going to raise capital, from the time that you have an investor interested and committed to completed documents and funding, that can be down to two or three days. So yeah. it's a dramatic efficiency that we're seeing in just the process of raising capital and then also growth in just the availability of these opportunities for, for both sides of the market. Right. So I guess at some point, if you're an investor or developer, you're an established sponsor of, of these projects, at some point you run out of family and friends and maybe I have more opportunities. So uh, what do you tell sponsors that are maybe uh, unsure of using uh, crowdfunding to, to raise funds? Well, I, th I think it's depending on which route you go, and there's a couple different platforms and structures that are set up out there. By and large, mechanically, it's a very similar process to how you used to syndicate equity offline. Um, so there's still Reg D, private placement offerings. It's just the regulations that change that allowed our company to exist it gives the, the real estate managers a way to advertise their deals publicly now. So, so the mechanics are the same. It's still a you know, private placement deal. Uh, but you can use a platform like RealCrowd to get that, invest, that investment opportunity out in front of you know, 25, 30, 40,000 different investors. So it's really the, the way that you can get in front of investors now that's the difference. Uh, mechanically, you know, it's how people have raised capital for a really long time just with the, the kind of typical syndication model. Yeah, and quickly though, the benefits for the investors and how low of amount of money can someone invest 
and how easy is it to do it online and, and what are the benefits? Of, uh, is it the diversification? Uh, is it the benefit of having an experienced sponsor uh, running the show? Yeah, it's all of that. Um, so the biggest thing that we're about is access, right? And that was, I think, what we saw was the biggest change in this regulation was the ability to open up access that people didn't have before. Uh, and with the efficiency that we brought, we can get those minimum investments down from you know 100,000, 250,000 down to typically we see them at 25,000, even down as low as, as $10,000 per ticket. So you get professionally managed real estate as a you know a, a passive investor, so you're not actually having to to do all the work yourself. Uh, you get investments down to $10,000, $25,000, so you can build a well-diversified portfolio. Like we've done deals in 38 different states, 80 different real estate sponsors. So there's you know, a really, really broad menu of assets that you just wouldn't be able to do as a private investor before, you know, unless, unless you had the best network in the world, uh, which is unlikely to, to be able to have that much of a, a reach of, of opportunities. And so that, that's what we're most excited about from the investor standpoint, is to give them, you know, low fee, we don't charge investors anything, so it's completely fee-free for investors. Uh, but to be able to give them access to these opportunities all across the country with professional real estate managers, you know, that's, that's a pretty big change in, in how this asset class can, can work for, from the investor standpoint. Yeah, and I like it to diversify uh, your investments, especially for investors who maybe are looking for the benefits of commercial real estate, uh, but they don't have you know, a million or more dollars to put into yeah. to a project. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So what, would you, what is different about crowdfunding and commercial real estate today if someone looked at it two or three years ago as a sponsor or maybe an investor? It's a good question. You know, we've, we've stayed fairly true to our structure and our strategy. You know, we started, we came from the institutional real estate space. So that was a lot of the folks that we were working with even two, three years ago. Um, earlier on, the industry started with a lot of debt products, so hard money loans, single family fix and flip projects. We never got involved in that space. Um, that's just not an area that, that we chose to, to try to tackle. Um, and I think you know, that, that's the biggest thing that we've seen is just the quality of sponsorship that's attracted this space, I think, has increased across the board. Um, we're seeing less on that hard money loan side. Uh, there's you know, some issues with a couple platforms out there that, that maybe some deals were going sideways and they've kind of exited that space and they're focusing more on kind of traditional commercial real estate now. I think the caliber of, of sponsors has, has risen across the board. The volume is clearly way up. Um, and I think it's just becoming more of an accepted way as a mainstream method of raising capital. You know, when we started this thing four and a half years ago, almost five years ago now. Yeah. It, yes, right, nobody knew. This yeah. was this is an idea. Uh, we had a pretty good idea that it was gonna work, but we had no idea that nobody had done it before, so we just kind of jumped in and did it. And it's been really fun to see that progression from this fringe experiment on the side to now, you know, we've had we've had you know 200 plus million dollars of equity funded through this thing uh, for institutional quality real estate to see it on the radar of the big boys now is it's a I think we're at a good spot. Yeah, Still yeah, but it's an incredible opportunity, you know, because I'm a commercial real estate broker. I help people invest in real estate, but look, if 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 you don't have a million cash, brokers like us, you know, it's hard for us to to, to work on things to help you, but. Crowdfunding is certainly a great way to, to get the benefits of commercial real estate uh, with smaller amounts of money. And, and uh, so I think one of the things uh, we'd like to get your opinion on is the uh, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, because it seems like that could have a material change in the economy uh, and in commercial real estate. Uh, what's it do in your crowdfunding world? You know, we're, we're still waiting to see how it all is going to shake out. Um, I think 
political affiliations aside, just as a tax issue for investing in commercial real estate, could be a really good thing, right? This this 20% uh, pass-through tax deduction, I think, could be a huge impact for investors in, in platforms like RealProud. Uh, that's textbook passive investments in commercial real estate. So that income, you, know, you take 20% off the top and you pay tax on the rest of the 80%. So I think that could, once that message gets out and is more understood how that actually plays out, uh, I think that could have a really big impact. Um, you know, we're in a really good economy right now. Things are going well. There's there's a lot of tailwinds behind us and we are just, you know, our last podcast, we were talking about the same thing. Um, this could be a little extra fuel on the fire. Hopefully it's not too much fuel too fast that causes things to get out of control. Um, so in that sense, you know, we'll see how it plays out. Um, I think for the real estate listeners out there, obviously, uh, 1031 exchanges have been a really big part of our, our world. Um, those regulations were preserved. I know at one point they were on the, on the chopping block. So to hear that that stayed, I think is a good thing for commercial real estate owners out there. And you, you combine that with this, this path through, pass through tax deduction. Um, you know, I think it could be a pretty good thing for our industry once there's more awareness around how it actually is going to impact and, and people really understand the ramifications of how that's going to impact their investment decisions. Yeah, I th- I'm excited about it. You know, I think if you put more uh, money in the hands of U.S. consumers, uh, they've proven they'll they'll spend it. And uh, you know, if uh, if companies have uh, lower tax rates and they can uh, hire more folks and, and grow, should be great for our economy. So, tell us something else about the future of crowdfunding. It seems like there's uh, a lot of promise in this in this industry. There is. You know, like I said, we're four and a quarter billion dollars of real estate into this, which sounds like a lot, but boy, that's just a, that's just a sliver of the total volume of, of commercial real estate activity, right? So we're still, we feel the very early stages of this whole industry. Uh, we're excited to see where it goes. There's a lot of new technology out in space right now. Um, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the blockchain and, and crypto technology, you know, crypto tokens and, and coins, Bitcoins, Ethereum, you know, that's all the rage right now. Um, it's something we're looking at, you know, how it, how it applies to the real estate world, certainly beyond just our industry. The underlying blockchain technology, I think, has some really interesting applications for real estate. You know, anything that's a recorded transaction that needs to be publicly available and, uh, you know, verified by outside sources, title, right, title transfer. Um, that's a natural for this kind of blockchain technology. Uh, we were talking yesterday, lease administration, right, cam reconciliations are the bane of every property manager's existence. If you could have a smart contract, which is just basically computer code that executes based on a set of rules, cam reconciliation is a thing of the past. It has inputs, it calculates it, it splits it out, and you're done, right? So there's, I think there's a lot of really interesting applications from the technology standpoint that'll affect our, our space, certainly with the securitization of real estate assets through this blockchain technology, uh, but also just b- more broadly how this can impact our industry, which, you know, admittedly, we're relatively slow as an industry to adopt technology. Um, I'd like to see us get, you know, ahead of this. I think there's a lot of good benefits that that approach can take to our operations, uh, and hopefully that of the listeners out there too. Yeah, and I think it would help with transparency, and I think that's something that crowdfunding can can offer investors. If you think about investing in the stock market and you're you're wondering, hey, what's going on behind the scenes? Yeah, what are the fees? Yeah, can my my uh, investment uh, drop dramatically with without me having any idea of what's going on in commercial real estate? Well, you can watch this show for one, and you kind of have some forecasts and know what's going on. But transparency, I guess, is a big part of what you guys do, right? Yeah, it is, and that's that's been one of the 
I'd say one of the more uncomfortable parts for real estate sponsors to get comfortable with is the fact this is you know, their public offerings. They're out in the open. So there's going to be additional scrutiny. Uh, I think we've been pleasantly surprised with the sophistication of our investor base to be able to kind of cut through some of those things that, you know, if there's questionable terms or if there's a structure that might need to be revisited, um, the crowd is smart. And I think that's something that we were surprised by was the sophistication of the investors on the, on the network. So the transparency is huge. Um, you know, we operate in a very transparent fashion. We don't, you know, we don't add any layers between the investor and their actual investment dollars in the asset. Um, depending on what platform you go to, you know, look at what you're actually investing in. So make sure there is that transparency, there is that disclosure of fees, um, which you know may or may not be there and as transparent as it could be on all the platforms. Uh, so I would recommend if you're looking at the space as an investor, peel back those layers, look at those fees, see what the platforms are charging. Um, you know, if there's broker dealers involved, sometimes those can be pretty high fees. There can be a spread between what they're you know borrowing at and lending it to the to the borrower. So there's some interesting. Uh, disclosures and some transparency that might not be as much as we'd hoped, uh, but that is a big thing. And, and again, blockchain could be the ultimate transparency tool, right? Everything is there in the open, verified by thousands of sources, and we'll see. It could be pretty interesting. Yeah, and I urge any investor investing in anything to um, check it out very closely. Check out the sponsor. Check out the property. Check out the market. Look at the a future of what might happen in that market and, and in that sector. Well, Adam, what would you leave our audience with related to crowdfunding? You know, so just uh, taking a step back, I think one of the, the biggest challenges that we've seen in the space as it relates to the investor side is a lot of people are new to this investment in this asset class. So they're not professional real estate experts. They don't have years of experience in this. And so the concept of a risk-adjusted return isn't really native to them, right? They don't have the tools and the knowledge necessary to fully understand the risk that they're taking to get to those returns. And so the force of the behavior that we've seen is people tend to just put their money in the highest yield deals without really looking at the risk that they're taking across their portfolio. And so that's one of the things that we're really looking forward to in 2018. Uh, you know, that's why we're doing our podcast, again, realcrowd.com slash podcast. Uh, all about education, right? Trying to get people to have a better understanding of how this asset class works. If they're looking at deals, if they're looking at different sponsors, you know, what are those questions that you should ask? And then we're going to be providing some tools here, hopefully later Q1, early Q2, that are really going to help investors understand on a risk-adjusted basis, you know, how, is, how does their portfolio look risk-first? And the returns are almost secondary to building our portfolio based on a, a risk model. Uh, so I think that's something that we're really excited about coming forward in 2018, and, and we'll see again with the tax bill. Hopefully that'll spur some more investment activity, and, and we'll just keep going at the races. That's great. And do you guys have options for investors uh, thinking about investing through crowdfunding and looking at their risk? Do you have the uh, core uh, opportunistic or, or value-add? Are there choices for investors there? Yeah, so we, we kind of broadly categorize them right now into core core plus, value add, and opportunistic. So on the website, realcrowd.com, you can go and you can see which bucket those fall into. Uh, but we're gonna be getting much, much more granular uh, in those levels and looking at you know, the market, the capitalization, the sponsor, the structure, the physical assets. So we've got some, some pretty good tools underway that uh, I think will tell a much better picture for, for investors out there. Ah, oh, that's great. Adam, thanks for being with us, great information. Always a pleasure, thanks Michael. And uh, stay with us. We'll have more on crowdfunding for U.S. commercial real estate investors and sponsors. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show.
Video is powerful. Some of the biggest brands in commercial real estate have trusted us to tell their story. We are Barnes Creative Studios, premier commercial real estate video services. BarnesCreativeStudios.com. Are you a commercial real estate broker? Check out Apto, the leading web-based CRE software for managing contacts, properties, listings, and deals. Act on the information in your CRM to strengthen your relationships and grow your business. Visit apto.com slash CRE show. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I am Michael Bull. This segment is brought to you by GetValuate.com, online investment analysis. Do check them out. Today we're talking about crowdfunding for commercial real estate and what an important topic. The crowdfunding in the commercial real estate world has really grown. And uh, there's new players and there's some old players, if you call them old, in the new world of crowdfunding. And one of the new players has a great lineage, a great background behind them, and I want to introduce them to you. Please welcome my guest, Adam Kaufman. Adam is Managing Director and Co-Founder with Arbor Crowd, and he's joining us on Skype. Adam, thanks for being with us. Michael, thank you for having me. So Adam, I think one of the first things that a lot of our clients think about when they think about crowdfunding as a source for debt or equity, they think about, well, why? Why should I consider crowdfunding as a sponsor for, for my next project? You know, from the sponsor's point of view, um, people always need capital. They need capital to close on transactions and participate in greater or even more transactions. So a lot of our sponsors that we have through the network of the Arbor family of companies with Arbor Realty Trust there, um, we speak with our sponsors and we know, you know, lots of times their family and friends network that they alternately raise capital from gets tapped out. Um, with the passage of the Jobs Act in 2012, you know, there came a whole new class of this retail investor. And that gives opportunity for sponsors to tap into a retail investor base around the country to invest and raise money from, um, to invest in the deals, but more importantly, to access crowdfunding platforms like Arbor Crowd, who do that fundraising for them and pass it on to the deal with uh, directly. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Uh, you know, uh, every time I ask my friends to uh, borrow lunch money, at some point they cut me off, right? And <laughs> say, Michael, you're done. You've got to get your own burger at Burger King. <laughs> um, I would say it's important to note because the crowdfunding investor typically comes in at a lower clip, at a lower dollar amount. Um, and it takes just as much work to, you know, do the investor relations side of that, to manage those investors. So you have retail investors on our platform, you know, we take $25,000 minimums. It's important for the sponsors to know that they don't have to manage those relationships. We do it for them. And it's just as time consuming, you know, sponsors typically go to family and friends for $250,000 minimums, $500,000 minimums. We get a whole bunch of crowd investors at $25,000 minimums. We manage those relationships and we close on the transaction, transaction on day one and then uh, fill it with the crowd. Okay, so if I'm a developer and I am buying a project and uh, maybe it's an existing project and I want to pull in a couple million dollars in crowdfunding as equity, what is my process with you guys? So that first and foremost, it's very important to know which site you're going to, which crowd platform you're going to. What we do is we look at the deal um, and we underwrite the transaction and do our due diligence on the transaction. But when we get to closing, we fund the money right on day one, 
in the JV structure that we then go towards the crowd and backfill the money. So the onus is on us to do the raise, but the deal, the transaction is still happening no matter what, if we fail to raise that money or if we do because we front it. I see. So that really makes it simple for the sponsor. I'm really, hey, I'm bringing you the project. We're talking about your equity investment, what kind of return you're looking for, uh, and, uh, and, and then we do it or not, and then you're handling the crowd. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Well, that, that makes it sound a lot easier. So what are the benefits, though, of coming to a crowdfund process like this over more traditional methods of maybe MES financing or something else? So, you know, like I said, it really depends on the platform. But because we can close up front, we offer the crowd investors to come in at really a passive non-interfering, on a passive non-interfering level. So you're basically getting a check up front there's very few limitations on how you can do your job and manage the property, you know, perform uh, any of the upgrades or whatever the strategy may be with little interference and not having to manage the relationships of each individual investor. Okay, and give me a typical uh, deal that uh, you guys have closed or, or you're working on now. Then uh, show me how that would work. So we primarily focus in the multifamily space. You know, a lot of the investors, it's easier for them to understand, you know, workforce housing, multifamily, feel safe and secure. As we know, the stock market's going up and down and, and there's a lot of volatility there. So to get the retail investor who may not have experience in real estate, they can understand a more and more tangibly understand um, the benefits of workforce housing and how stable that might be sure. within the real estate arena. So we will we focus on that sector. And what we like to do is present the crowd investors on an IRR basis in the mid teens. Obviously, if it's a New York City uh, type of uh, asset, you know, we would focus uh, between 12 and 15 percent. But we do an IRR mid teens. And we and that's net of fees on our platform. So we charge fees to our investors basically to participate in the transaction. So, um, you know, you'd come to us, we'd underwrite the deal, we'd look at it from the different lenses and the experience that we have within the Arbor family of companies. Sometimes we're even doing the financing on the deal through Arbor Realty Trust, right? Um, it, and it may be a bridge product of ours. So we're looking at it from all angles and that not only gives comfort to the sponsor as a one-stop shop, but also to the investor who has the ability to say, okay, you know, to some degree, the debt and equity is aligned, the interests are aligned here. So give me a, a picture of it. So I'm buying a $10 million apartment community. What might I get uh, as my underlying first mortgage? And how? Might, tell me about the crowdfunding piece and what LTV, what, what a typical rate might be right now. So without going too much into the debt side, because uh, I, I let uh, my sister uh, companies deal with that. Well, basically they come to us for a loan. Um, they look uh, primarily at either, we're, we're a large agency lender, Fannie and Freddie, um, and similarly, we have a bridge product that we put on our balance sheets. Um, they go and work with that side of the house, um, facilitating the financing. And then if they need equity, they come to us. We would write a, between a two and six million dollar check with them with the what we guarantee that they have their own equity in the deal to some degree as well, up to 30 percent. We like a base of 30 percent pretty much. Um, and therefore, you know, we can sell it to our investors as, hey, all the interests are aligned because the, um, the sponsor has equity on the line. The crowd has equity on the line, and also the financing is in-house at Arbor Realty Trust. Okay, so if the uh, sponsor is putting 30% in the deal, uh, is it uh, really can't they pretty much get 70% financing at some pretty good rates? Why, why bring in the crowdfunding piece? Well, that 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 goes back to what we addressed in the, in the first question: is 
when you're in real estate, you want to keep buying. It's almost like an addiction, right? <laughs> so you're going to run out of money and run out of sources of capital. And if you don't have to manage that relationship for the next transaction or to participate in a larger transaction, that's where Arbor Crowd comes in. And that's where a lot of our sponsors that we've worked with for 15 years on our Realty Trust, 20 years, right, now can come to Arbor and the Arbor family of companies and say, oh, wow, there's an alternate source of non-interfering passive equity that they're offering me, and that's through the crowd vehicle. Okay. And if you're not driving around in your car, if you're, if you're stationary somewhere while you're listening to us, uh, you can go to arborcrowd.com and check out some of this. So uh, let's like look at it, Adam, from the investor side of the table. So you said the uh, minimum investment, investment for an investor is 25000 They are passive investors. So uh, how long might they be in the deal and what are some tips for the, the investor? So I'll start with the first um, tips for the investor. Who you're doing business with matters so much in any, in any way. So when you go to a crowd platform, there are so many out there that started as technology companies that think that they've hired real estate experts, can source the transaction and the investors at the same time, and you're relying on their underwriting skills and their experience to basically start relationships on both sides. Knowing who you do business with is very, very important, and trust and transparency. Arbor Crowd, well, the model that we've based off is we pick single properties from sponsors that we have long-time relationships with through the Arbor family of companies going 20 years back. We look at their track records, um, and, and present that to the crowd. We come, we put together offering overviews of 30 pages long, really looking at the facts that we looked at to underwrite the deal. Um, and we present that to the investor and we are here to answer all the questions along the way because obviously real estate is a new investment type to our investors. Um, but ultimately what it comes down to is what's the background, what's the experience of the sponsor and what's the transparency that's being presented to you to really understand the investment that you're making and are they closing on the deal on day one? What is the risk of my investment actually going through? So knowing what people are doing with that experience is very important when an investor is choosing a platform. Yeah. Now, when it comes to the different, um, uh, when they're analyzing a deal and saying, you know, it really comes down to what's the right deal for you as an investor, right? Some deals, you know, we buy value add strategy, let's say, um, on a certain transaction, we explain that to the retail investor, what that means, what the unit upgrades are going to look like, where the market can support that. Um, and how we do our looking at the transaction. We present that to the investors, but you have to know, am I comfortable with a two to five year hold, let's say with no cash flow, or would I like a little bit of cash flow and I'd wanna participate in a different transaction that has a quicker turnaround, um, maybe two, three years um, down the line with a different strategy. And that's why we present the sponsors that we're working with, the detail in the background and the strategies that they've done in the past so that investor can make that decision based on you know that type of investment that they wanna make. Yeah, that is so well said and so important. You've got to know who you're dealing with. And, uh, and I like your, your lineage here with Arbor Realty Trust. You guys know uh, real estate. And also like the fact that you guys are investing in it in the beginning. You like the deal yourself. Right. And that, that's important because if we don't, we put our money on the line. So yeah. if we don't do the raise, if the raise is, is unsuccessful, which thank God we have not had that issue, our, our money is in the deal. Yeah. Now, and oftentimes, a private equity shop does does uh, cut into the equity stack as well. Yeah. Now, how can um, listeners and viewers of the show uh, learn about learn about this more? Can they go to your website and, and get invited to to take part in some of your webinars? Absolutely. So 
we put a lot of effort into the education process and we've cultivated a community of educated and learning investors. So if you go to our website, arborcrowd.com, and you register to create an account, you get access to abundance of information from you know articles written on basically explaining the different terminology all the way to how that impacts your tax returns. Um, and then you get live webinars where you'll hear us and part of our team talking to you, explaining to you different concepts, explaining to you the deal. We even get the sponsors. We require the sponsors to do webinars when we launch the deal to explain what their thoughts were on the transaction compared to all the other transactions that they're doing currently or have done in the past, realized and unrealized. And the investor gets that personal experience and then they get even live Q&A um, aspects where they can really come in. No question is too stupid. No question is too basic. That's what we're here to do, create that community to educate and educate people to make the right investment decisions for themselves. I don't know. You say no question is too stupid. I haven't been on the webinar yet. I might ask one. <laughs> uh, you know, that is, that is so important. So do you have to be, to sign up for these webinars and this information, uh, do you have to be accredited? So anybody can sign up to access the information. To make an investment, you have to be accredited. That's, so, so if you're just wanting to learn about real estate or different real estate investments and maybe in a few years want to get into it or maybe talk to your spouse about it, your mom, your dad, your kids, definitely sign up because we have so many tools there to really teach and educate people. Yeah. And uh, Adam, great information. Uh, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you being on the show. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Yeah, and do learn more. Uh, their website is arborcrowd.com. And if you're just going there to learn, set up uh, for the uh, webinars and learn more about their uh, projects, uh, it's a very interesting company, great lineage. And uh, when stay with us, after a short break, we're going to have an attorney on that has written a couple books, and he is very has very detailed knowledge on crowdfunding. So whether you're an investor or a sponsor, you don't want to miss it. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. With ArborCrowd, you get to invest alongside real estate experts, sponsors who have a successful track record and skin in the game. It's as easy as one, two, three. Learn about the deals, make your investment, and grow your financial wealth. Visit ArborCrowd.com. Are you a real estate agent? Hi, this is Michael Bull. Would you like consistent high income? Would you like to be the top producer in your office? Would you like to be known as the go-to broker in your market? Well, I have something for you. Visit CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit BullRealty.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. This segment is brought to you by CommercialAgentSuccess.com. If you're a commercial agent or broker and you would like to sharpen your skills, check it out. Well, today we're talking about commercial real estate crowdfunding. Please welcome my next guest. It's Gene Trowbridge, and Gene is with the law firm of Trowbridge Sedoti, and he's here in Studio One. Gene, thanks for being with us. Uh, I appreciate it. Nice to see you, Michael. Well, Gene, it, uh, I'm real impressed with your, your practice because you really have a focus. And, you know, it's like all my brokers and teams at my shop, they all focus. And when they focus on one thing, they don't have to reinvent the wheel. They're really good at it. You have a focus in this area of, of syndication and 
and crowdfunding. So I'd like to get some tips from you. And if you could start us out with, let's suppose uh, I'm a sponsor, I'm buying a property and uh, I want to crowdfund it, uh, or I want to just pull some, pull some money together uh, from some investors. Where are, are a couple areas that are most likely for a, a sponsor or syndicator or crowdfunder to get into a problem area? Well, Michael, I think the first thing we need to do is make sure that we understand we've just entered the securities world. Okay. Right. So now that we're in a totally different world, real estate's fine, yeah. but now you're going to deal with people's money. You're going to take their money. You're going to manage their money. That's a different world. So just do whatever you need to know that you're compliant with the securities law, which means you're going to hire an attorney and, mm -hmm. and all that. But even farther than that, I think that uh, I tell my sponsors, um, uh, there are a couple questions that they're going to have to answer right away to be successful in marketing. And the first one would be, uh, Michael, I, I love your deal. You need $100,000 from me. I'm glad to uh, invest it. But what I'm worried about is what happens if something happens to you? Mm. Okay. okay. So if we can't answer that, if you can't come back to me with some answer about continuity, okay, yeah. you're going to have trouble raising money. Yeah. And as far as I'm concerned as an attorney, I would be hesitant in writing your offering documents if it's just you. And in fact, I have people come to me who want me to um, review documents that they might invest in. Mm -hmm. And I don't do that. Yeah. But I asked them just a couple questions, and the number one question is, is the sponsor an individual? Right. And if it's an individual, that's risky for you, the investor. And heaven forbid the sponsor's an individual. Okay. Amongst all these investors, the sponsor has no protection. All the investors will sue the sponsor. Mm -hmm. That sponsor needs continuity, and that usually happens inside of an L another LLC. Right. Okay. So that's an important issue. Yeah, that makes sense. So, what are some other questions? I come to you as a sponsor, uh, looking to raise money, um, and uh, what else are you going to ask me to help me know w which route I want to go? Because there's a lot of routes, right? There are a lot of routes. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I'll ask you is, have you done this before? And if you haven't done this before, then we pretty much have to stick with a specific offering. You're going to bring an offering to the marketplace where the people buy this property over here, not a fund or a blind pool. You really can't do that until you get a good track record. You won't have success in, in raising, raising your money. Uh, but other than that, I would ask, you know, how much are you going to raise? Right. And depending upon that answer, I'm working down a flow chart. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> if you're going to raise $50 million, I kind of know where you have to go. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to say, well, do you need to advertise? Okay. And, and, and you say, no, I don't need to advertise because I've got plenty of people I know. Okay, now I'm going over here. And uh, then I'm going to say, do you want to take non-accredited investors? So really, how much you're going to raise, do you need to advertise, and do you take non-accredited investors? And with those answers, we're either going to do a Regulation D offering mm -hmm. or we're going to go to Regulation A. And uh, the rest is just paperwork. Okay, so let's say that <coughs> I've said, yes, I do want to go to the crowd. Uh, mm -hmm. I do want to advertise uh, and find investors for my deal. Well, what's your next question for me? <laughs> well, well, if you want to advertise, then the question comes back to, are you going to be happy if you can only take accredited investors? Mm -hmm. And that's pretty common 
anyway. I still have a lot of people who don't advertise, but only bring their offerings to accredited investors because it's just easier to deal with accredited investors. And remind investors. the audience the uh, accredited investor profile. Okay, the accredited investor profile, Michael, is a, a dollar and cent uh, limit. If you have a million dollars of net worth, mm -hmm. not including your house, or you make $200,000 a year as a, a single taxpayer, or 300 married filing jointly, just simply those uh, levels of income determine that you are accredited. Everything else breaks down into one or two categories. You might not be accredited, but you might be smart. Yeah. You might have education, um, knowledge of investing, so you can um, look at an investment for yourself, determine if it's suitable for you and your risk parameters. That means you're sophisticated in their language. Or you're not accredited and you're not smart. Okay, you're not rich, you're not smart, you're non-accredited. looking right at me, Gene. <laughs> <laughs> you're uh, you're non-accredited. And okay. there's only one way we can advertise for the non-accredited investors, and that's doing a Regulation A offering. Okay. And that's going to get pretty involved, but, but it's yep. not a full securities kind of deal, right? No, it's not a full registration. Yeah. It's a permit. Right. We go to the government and we tell them every word you're going to say to the investors, mm -hmm. uh, your business plan, you agree to be audited uh, quarterly by, uh, by an auditor. Okay. An yeah. auditor. And supply that to the investors. Supply that to the SEC, right? And then okay. you, can, you can take uh, non-accredited investors, and typically we put a limit into how much can a non-accredited investor invest in your deal, Michael. It's probably 10% uh, of their net worth. Okay. What about soliciting, advertising <laughs> uh, for investors? There you go. <laughs> so is there a problem there? Where, where we might, where we might, what do we need to know there? Totally there's a problem. Okay. Uh, generally, we're talking about doing a private placement, Michael. I know you. Mm -hmm. You know what business I'm in. Uh, for some reason, we've talked about it, and you said to me, gee, Gene, I know you syndicate uh, mobile home parks. If you ever have another deal, give me a call. Okay, and then I know enough about you to know that that's a, a good risk match for you and me. Right. That's what private placements are all about. Right. Here comes the Jobs Act after almost 40 years of nothing but private placements. Right. The Jobs Act in 2013 comes along and says, you know, you don't even have to know Michael. Mm -hmm. You can advertise and get Michael in your deal. And why can you do that? Because Michael's one of those rich and smart guys. He's an accredited investor. Now you can look at me. Okay. <laughs> He's one of those rich and smart guys. And, they, and a rich and smart guy, lady, can uh, ask their own questions and make their own determinations. So we'll let you just advertise to them. And all the crowdfunding platforms that are out there uh, where you can go online and you can sign up with them. And it, they're like an MLS service for offerings. You can come home at night a glass of brandy, a cigar, take your shoes off, and look at uh, 10 or 20 offerings. And maybe you someday you'll see something you like. You'll push a button and you'll invest $100,000. All those people who are watching those shows, Michael, are accredited. <laughs> That's, That's what a crowdfunding yeah. platform brings to a sponsor is 15,000, 20,000 accredited investors. Yeah. Well, I think if you're drinking brandy and having a cigar, you must be accredited. Well, I guess so. <laughs>
<laughs> well, what are some of the recent things you see going on with the crowdfunding, kind of on the on the legal side? Like, you know, what are some areas that, hey, I've, I've followed the law, but what else might I want to do to kind of keep me out of hot water with my investors or, right. or with the Fed? <laughs> sure. The first thing you need to do is communicate. All sorts of problems can be overcome if you're constantly communicating. Investors have, have an appetite for bad news if they hear about it. Mm, yeah. If they don't hear about it, boom, it, it's just an explosion when bad news comes. So, yeah. so that's good. Uh, uh, one of my pet peeves, Michael, is when uh, my clients haven't read their documents. <laughs> I can't tell you how many calls I get when a client says, can I do this? Sometimes I just have to hold my tongue because it's easier to it's easiest to say, well, Michael, did you read your document? Did you read Article Eight? Right. Uh, so I don't say that, but I say, right. you know, if you can get your document open, I can get it open. Let's read it together. Right. So one of the major mistakes uh, syndicators make, crowdfunders make, is not reading and not following their documents. I understand because I was a syndicator. The document comes to me, uh, came to me from my attorney. I'm in the height of passion of raising money. I don't really want to read it. I want to get out, give it to you, collect your check, close the deal. Right, get going. Now, what do I have? Oops, you know, what, what did I do? Yeah, and you're talking about the PPM, right? The, P, the private placement memorandum, right. the PPM, right, the operating agreement, yeah. the subscription agreement. That's a real uh, shortcoming I see in my sponsors is not, not reading their documents. Another one is not giving themselves Michael, enough time to raise the money. I think if you go to your investors and you say, okay, I finally have the paperwork. You knew this was coming. Mm -hmm. I got to have the money by next Monday. Yeah. Stress, that's yeah. bad. You've got to have two or three weeks from the time you tell them, now I have to have the money. Because yeah. they're on vacation. There's a wedding that's come up in their family and they mm -hmm. have to reallocate their funds. There's a lot of things that go on in people's lives. Yeah. So uh, uh, give them a chance to be comfortable about getting the money into them. Uh, communication. Yeah. If something is going on in your offering, Michael, uh, tell the people. Now, one of the things that would help with that communication is in the PPM, right? So there's some things that, that need to be in there that are sort of template, but what are some tips for sponsors in their PPM? Well, first of all, if uh, anyone asks you in the future about your PPM, um, you're gonna have to be able to show them that the PPM talks about this deal, this property. What are the risks about this property? Clearly, there are boilerplate sections in the PPMs we draft. I mean, all the tax stuff, I mean, who wants to read that? It's yeah. just the same over and over and over. Yeah. But the things about, uh, gee, we're buying a property in, in New Jersey. Gosh darn it, New Jersey can have hurricanes and floods. And, mm -hmm. and we're buying a property in Texas. You know, it can have ice storms. Uh, we're buying a property in Houston. It might have mold. Mm -hmm. We're buying it as an REO from the lender. The lender hasn't checked it out. We need to close by the end of the quarter. We're not going to get it checked out ahead of time. We better tell the people it's just possible yeah. that it might have mold. And so when, and I've been there, I've been in court when um, my clients are testifying for other people. 
where the judges said, you know, I've read this whole book and I can't tell you what property this talks about. Oh, yeah. As a sponsor, you're just, you're yeah. just in terrible trouble. Yeah. Which leads me to the biggest mistake sponsors make. Don't draft your own documents. <laughs> <laughs> he has himself for a client, has a tool for a client. They That's say. right. Don't yeah. draft your own documents. Yeah, even if you're a lawyer, you don't want to do that. Right? No, it's, it's funny. Yeah. When I was a lawyer and mm -hmm. I was still syndicating, I always hired other attorneys to, yeah. uh, to do that. Now that I'm a lawyer, I don't invest with any of my clients because there's a, there's a conflict there. Yeah. You know, somebody asked me for to see my PPM the other day, and I said, that's a little personal. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> it has a lot of different names, doesn't Offering yeah. circular. The confusion I see a lot is, oh, the broker gave me an offering memorandum. Oh. Okay, well, I know what that is. That's all about the property. Yeah. And in my world, that becomes an exhibit <laughs> to the PPM. Right. That's not the PPM. Right. Okay. So right, right. too no, many that, acronyms. That's a, that's a good point. <laughs> and we have to take a short break. We get back, Gene, I want to ask you about the investor side, thinking about the investors, because I think there's a whole world of people, including us, that we can go online right now, right, and invest in some deals. I'd like to get some tips from you there. So stay with us. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Check out Valuate, a real estate analysis program that can be easily shared with colleagues online to do what-if analysis. Visit GetValuate.com. That's GetValuate.com. Would you like access to invest in institutional quality commercial real estate with experienced sponsors with small amounts of money? Of course you would. Visit RealCrowd.com. Choose between Core, Core Plus, Value Add, or Opportunistic. Visit RealCrowd.com. Promote your business to the U.S. commercial real estate industry. Click Advertise at the show website, CREshow.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. This segment is brought to you by Apto.com. Check them out for commercial real estate CRM. Well, today we're talking about crowdfunding for commercial real estate. My guest is Gene Trowbridge. He's a lawyer with Trowbridge Sedoti, and he's here in Studio One. Gene, thanks again for being with us. You're welcome. It's, it's fun, Michael. Yeah. Nice to see you always. And I uh, really like that you're an expert in this field. And uh, one of the things that I think the audience is curious about and, uh, is if you're going to invest in a crowdfunding deal and you're an investor, what should you do? Because it seems like that you know you see their things online, and 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 maybe you're investing a small amount of money. Um, uh, what are some tips for investor side? All right, I would think that it's really one of two things. I'm only going to invest with people I know. That's that could be one of the safer ways of doing it. However, that probably means you're going to be doing um, smaller offerings. Okay, maybe going to. Uh, people you don't know who are big enough to advertise, who have a longer track record, uh, bigger management experience, that might be the safest way. I don't know. The investor and, has to. Yeah, and maybe the investor doesn't belong to a country club or whatever. Right. Maybe he doesn't know any sponsors, mm -hmm. so he's kind of left online. That's exactly true, and that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons for the Jobs Act. Mm -hmm. When I was syndicating, when I was syndicating, I could go to people I knew and tell them about my deals. Mm -hmm. 
people who knew me would hear about my deals, but maybe no one else. So with the JOBS Act and its purpose of um, making capital formation easier, what they wanted people who were out there who were rich and smart to be able to do is to see all sorts of offerings, not just genes. And what they wanted Gene to be able to do is to go to all the people that are rich and smart, not just the people he knew in Southern California or the Twin Cities or wherever I was at the time. So that's what it's done. So now you're in this, you're in this environment as an investor uh, of looking at deals that, that uh, maybe you're going to say, I'm not going to do anything that's advertised. I'm just going to stick with who I know, fine. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to go over here and go to the crowdfunding platforms, um, then, then I think there are a couple things I would look at immediately. I would look at uh, the offering documents and what's the story. You that mean they actually read them? Actually <laughs> read them, right? It's, yeah. you know, uh, we already said that uh, sometimes the sponsor doesn't read them. Yeah. It's truly a shame if the investor doesn't read them, yeah. because in there the investor will talk about a couple important things, or the sponsor will talk about a couple important yeah. things. Number one. Uh, is there a plan for continuity in case something happens to the sponsor? So you're going to find an LLC with a, an, a group of people in there that are sponsoring the deal mm -hmm. inside of this big LLC where I, as an investor, am really going to invest, and then that big LLC is going to own the property. Mm -hmm. But I want to know about this manager entity. Is there someone there in case? And I'm not talking about dying. Yeah. There's all sorts of things that can happen to a sponsor yeah. that will make them less capable of managing your money than you'd like them to be. Right. So we need to care about that. Yeah. Then the offering uh, documents would talk about the... Uh, sponsors a track record. Yeah, you want to know who they are. Yeah, right? have they done this before? Yeah. And when I started, someone asked me that question, yeah. have you done it before? I said, no. Yeah. But here's what I am. I'm a CCIM and a commercial broker. I've done X million dollars of, of deals. I own my own properties. Mm -hmm. You've got to have some story. Right. Then you've got to, as a sponsor, you know, you've got to get your first deal done. Right. So then you can say, hell yes, I do this all the time. You yeah. know? So, um, uh, continuity, have you done it before? Another thing I'd look at in the documents, and I'm going to find this all in the PPM, which tells the story, mm -hmm. is uh, uh, any skin in the game. Is the sponsor going to put up some, some of their own money? Yeah. Uh, the sponsor has put up money to get to the point where the investor is looking at the documents. Yeah. But the documents generally allow the sponsor to be reimbursed for all their costs. Yeah. So you could be looking at a situation where the sponsor really has nothing in it. Right. Uh, that may be okay with you, maybe not. It's I don't know, know, but it's a good question to ask. Yeah. And then from an investor's standpoint, I'd like to know if there are provisions, and you'd find this in the operating agreement, uh, provisions that allow liquidity for me as the investor um, short of having the property sell. We all know yeah. what's going to happen when the property sells. You get their money back. But what happens if some life event comes up in the meantime and I need to figure out how to get my money back? I think you should look at that. And what's the communication plan? Mm -hmm. uh, the PPM should 
should tell the investor how the sponsor is going to communicate with them. Right. And I guess you also, this may be common sense, but you kind of want to know the, what, it, what is the exit strategy with this property, right? What is kind of mm -hmm. the plan that, that's going to happen with it? Mm -hmm. and, and when is the kind of the expected exit, right? Right. We, yeah. we, uh, when we write the documents, we ask our sponsor for an anticipated holding period. Mm -hmm. And generally that's expressed as a range, you know, three to seven years, five to ten. A lot of it has to do with the terms of the loan and what's going to happen to uh, the property. But exit strategy is interesting. Today, as we speak, uh, a very common question, <clears throat> excuse me, I get from a sponsor is, do we have the right to exchange this property for another property? Because if we bought a property in 2010 or 2012, it's probably got some pretty good equity today. Mm -hmm. So now the sponsor says, well, let's take that money and let's just go into another property. Well, does the sponsor have the authority to do that? Right. Once again, let's everyone read the documents and see right. what authority the investor is giving to the sponsor. Just for that specific answer, let me tell you how I think the documents go. The documents generally say the sponsor, with a vote or without a vote, can generally do the disposition or the refinance themselves. Mm -hmm. Well, what's the start of an exchange? The disposition. Right. So yes, the sponsor can make that decision. Property sells, money goes to the qualified intermediary or the accommodator. Mm -hmm. From that point on, it's a new investment decision for the investor. Yeah, I like that. The sponsor does, it's not a bank. Right. The sponsor doesn't have the right to take the investor's money and go into this new property over here. That's actually a new offering, mm -hmm. new PPM, new discussion. And at that time, the investor has the right to take their money and go somewhere else or uh, stay with the program, stay with the sponsor. Yeah. yeah, I like that idea of the way to set up that PPM and, and that uh, operating agreement. But it's up to the investor to kind of hey, look at it really and, and see what it Absolutely. says. Right? Absolutely. And then another thing I guess to think about if you're an investor is kind of the property level performance, you know, like you would if you were buying the property, mm -hmm. you know, what, what is it competing with in the marketplace? You know, what's the barrier to entry? You know, uh, what is the, are, are the rents market or below market or above market? And, you know, it's kind of interesting to see that, uh, you know, we deal with very sophisticated investors at our shop uh, at Bull Realty. Uh, but you think about uh, online, maybe you're, uh, I've seen some people gambling online. And, Absolutely. And, you know, and, and they might be gambling $25,000, mm $50,000, and they're just gambling. Mm -hmm. You know, so you think about people that, that they're okay with that. Well, maybe they're okay with popping twenty-five or fifty thousand in some mm -hmm. some syndication online, but they really need to get in and, and kind of look at the the property level, maybe the sales comps, the rent surveys, and that sorts of thing, right? Well, absolutely, and that's yeah. why I like to have the um, the property package. I'll call it the property package as an exhibit mm -hmm. to the PPM. I don't need to take fifty pages of property package and put it inside all this legal jargon. Yeah. Let's let let's just let it sit over here because that changes periodically mm -hmm. and uh, we we refer to that in my documents as ex it's exhibit four uh, what the property package is but you, you bring up a good point uh, with the ability to advertise if I'm a sponsor I could put my deal up on my own Facebook page mm -hmm. no one's vetting that deal mm -hmm. now I'm going to go over here to the crowdfunding platforms we all know about 
they don't vet the deal per se. They're not doing the due diligence to guarantee the investor or anything, but they do have standards. Right. And before you get your property on their platform, they're going to look at all the things you just talked about and your track record, and uh, some sponsors don't belong on their platform. Mm -hmm. So I guess as an investor, I'm thinking, okay, if this isn't on one of these platforms that does some vetting, mm -hmm. but it's on Gene's own Facebook page, uh, if I don't know Gene, mm -hmm. oh, am I concerned? Should yeah. I be concerned? Yeah. Get on the phone and call Gene and get the information. Yeah, check him out. I think that right. you're right. I think the sponsor's a big <coughs> deal. and and their track record and, and who they are. And you know, there's a lot to learn if you're a sponsor or you're an investor. And, uh, and Gene, you're a CCIM instructor. You have your uh, website, crowdfundinglawyers.net. And uh, you also have some uh, webinars and a book. Tell our audience about that. Okay, well I have a book called uh, It's a Whole New Business. Mm -hmm. And it's about the fact that once you take investors' money and put it to use in real estate, you're not really in the real estate business anymore, you're in the investor management business. Yeah. And so that takes you into the securities rules and different IRS rules and, and accounting and all that. Mm -hmm. So that's a good book. Uh, it's a whole new business and uh, that's on Amazon. And tell me about your webinars. <laughs> oh, the webinars we have um, at our website, we have periodic webinars. We also have um, two-day workshops mm -hmm. periodically, two or three a year, mm -hmm. that uh, people can find out when they go to uh, crowdfundinglawyers.net. Yeah, well, that's excellent. Well, Gene, thanks for information and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Michael. It's a pleasure. And thank you for joining us around the country. And uh, we appreciate your comments, uh, your sharing and connecting with us. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, Asset and Occupancy Solutions, Arbor Crowd, invest alongside real estate experts, Get Valuate, online investment analysis, Real Crowd, crowdfunding with the professionals, by Apto, brokerage software to manage your contacts, properties, listings, and deals, commercialagentsuccess.com, better serve clients, earn more commissions, build out, marketing for your brokerage. For more information on these great companies, visit CREshow.com. And you're invited to subscribe to the show on YouTube and iTunes and connect with us on your favorite social media.